0: This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's Community Access Media Organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Oh boy! A late entry!
1: A superstar challenger! These must be his minders. He's got a gun. Hold!
0: I am Crump, Electra's armament truck. Who's Electra? We ask the questions. I am Wrench, Electra's repair truck. This Electra must be rich to have his own repair truck. All unreliable. <laughs> I am Purse, Electra's money truck. Electra is rich. Switch your allegiance to Electra.
2: I- I am Volta, Electra's freezer truck,
0: I am Jewel, Electra's dynamite truck, Electra is cool, Electra is hot, cool, hot, a mega a megawatt, rich, hot, powerful, rich, hot,
3: cool, rich, hot, powerful.
0: You will agree I am electric I have a contact I am electric The future is me ACDC yes okay by me I can reach up and plug down the lightning Watch the conductor, see the light wire A C D C, it's okay by me It's okay by me I can switch and change my frequency Pointless, feel my magnetism, you will agree You can't ignore me, you must adore me I am electric, come closer to me AC, DC, it's okay by me I can switch and turn you on to me Can switch and turn you on To me Can switch And turn you On to me
4: You're backstage with Mel and Mike. Whew. Your frequency.
2: <laughs> oh, that was
4: beautiful. Uh, you're backstage on Hamilton's 89.03 FM. Yes. Welcome back for another week.
5: Yeah, I'm Mike. She's Mel. And last week uh, we had guests in the studio. Kate Martin Booker and Nicole were My here wife. with us. And they were talking about... Um, Things I know to be true, but we also involve them in the other stuff that we do. Our
4: musical of the week last week was Hunchback of Notre Dame. Which was inspired by Kate. I know it's a favourite of hers. Yeah. Um, it was nice. She's been moaning at me for three years to, to <laughs> let her come on the show. So, so you relented. Really so I thought it was a good enough opportunity She was good value.
5: And we'll talk about their play a bit later on too, because it's brought up a few things that uh, we should be talking about. Uh, if you missed last week's show or any of our past shows, you can mm. catch them on all of the standard Podcasting platforms. Spotify. Just look for Backstage with Mel and Mike. You'll find us. Easy, easy, easy.
4: You will find us. Mike's been working on a few things, pretty much mm-hmm. everything, actually. <laughs> How's Geezer's going?
5: <laughs> well, uh, we are now building set. We got uh, my initial concept for the set. Looks like it's going to work, which is great. Uh, it's nice when you have a sort of out there idea and you find that that it can actually function. <laughs> so we'll be finishing all that stuff off through the week and uh, launching into our production week, Tech Week, next from next Monday and opening on the 20th. Um, cast is in good shape. The stories are really now gelling. We're doing runs of complete acts and then the complete uh, show on uh, Sundays. And um, I'm trying hard not to stop-start things. I'm trying to get get a flow going. you got to bite your tongue at But some sometimes stuff. you go sit there and go,
4: no. Hang on. It's not
5: working, uh, but yeah, the, I, I'm really thrilled with my cast. They are, without exception, really just doing an amazing job. The, on the photos on look the play. great. <laughs> oh, that's only yeah. Those are only just rehearsal pics that Terry yeah, Blakeney right. Williams takes. Um, when you see it in the flesh, or when you see the photos that he will take during our production week, um, you'll get even more of a feel for what for what it's about and how just how lovely those characters are. And, and my cast, I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, you got really some lovely happy. people in there. Yeah. And then, of course, I also on the weekend, uh, we had our first get-together and um, started working the first songs for Saturday Night Fever. Of
4: course you did. How did that go?
5: That was great. Yeah. yeah really good. Um, again, terrific bunch of people involved.
1: Yeah.
5: And nice to get the wheels rolling on that one, since we're in a sort of on-the-rails kind of field today with the Yeah, we're getting of towards of November the week. pretty
1: quickly.
5: Um, yeah, I, I'm out of the picture a wee bit until music and choreography are um, sort of anchored a bit more. Yeah. But already you know working on how things are going to move around the set there are something like 41 different scene changes wow which is a lot you know Mm. 20 something in each of the two acts so there's a lot to contend with
4: i don't know if i wanted to know that
5: (laughs) (laughs) oh you'll find out soon enough because you're stage managing (laughs) so
4: (laughs) that sounds like hardly any work for me yeah
5: (laughs) most of it is going to be handled very slickly though so you don't have to worry about that too much. So um, I feel like this, this week and next week, uh, kind of like the combination of a lot of months of hard work. Yeah, Didn't mean to be in the situation where we had geezers and Saturday Night Fever happening at the same time. But yeah. But yeah, it's got all COVID for you.
4: That is exactly how it happened. Yeah. You know, you were meant to put geezers on months ago.
5: Yeah. Back yeah. in March. Yeah. It's oh, wow. Well. be done and dusted before we did Blood Brothers. Yeah, that's right. But. Didn't work out that way anyway. You're working on The Pillow Man. I am. How's that turning out?
4: Yeah, it's going... Well, I mean, I've only been at one rehearsal so far, so I play Detective Topolsky, which is traditionally played by a man. I say that a lot because I'm really proud. Um, (laughs) So I'm playing, yeah, Detective Topolsky. I've been at one rehearsal, so we've blocked my, um, I guess, my act, my first act, and the cast are wonderful i'm working with um who are we working with andrew lyle nick clothier eckard becker uh, georgia pollock and glenn matthews oh i'm very um, impressed it's a pretty cool yeah. little cast yeah. and it's like i think i've said this it's not going to be a play without challenges but it's it's yeah it's, I, all i can say is it's very dark and very funny
5: we covered it as a play of the day Many many months ago. Yeah, we did. Um, so it'll be interesting to to see what it's like working on it um, mm. from a performance perspective. Well, I
4: tell you, what, then when we talked about it,
5: I thought, oh god,
4: I can never get into a play like this. But I'm finding so much humour in it. Yeah, way more than I think is, uh, than you realise on the surface. Um, and we're not venueless anymore, so we'll be performing at Navarra Lounge at the I end know. of October.
5: I heard that. Yeah. I was talking to Jason Wing the other day, and he said, uh, guess what, we've zeroed in on Navarra, yeah, which yeah. is great.
4: I think a great little um, show for Navarra and a mm. great little venue for the show.
5: It's a minimalist set and concept uh, that you're working with, so yeah. I think it'll work there really well.
4: Yeah, that's right. In other news, this week's Musical of the Week, if you don't know it, and it's okay if you didn't,
5: because I didn't
4: <laughs> until Mike played it, uh, it's Starlight Express from the genius Andrew Lloyd Webber.
5: Yeah, that first song that opened the show today was called ACDC, and it's where the electric train... Yeah, it's all about trains. The are the, you into trains? people are trains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the electric train is, is trying to um, persuade everybody in the crowd that he's the bee's knees yes. and... Electricity is the way to go if you're going to be on on rails. Um, so yeah, I'll have more to say about that very shortly. Looking it's a, it's to it. an unusual show, and I'm not altogether sure I like it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. You know, we don't have to like the stuff we do here.
4: No, I'm not altogether sure either, and I've never really gone near it because I'm not. 100% sold on the concept but like Mike said we'll get into that all very shortly and uh, we're also going to get into today uh, another I guess another discussion around LGBTQ characters who can play them on stage um, we thought we would go there again because the discussion has arisen and we've seen a couple of queer characters on stage yep. so why not talk about whether or not our opinions
5: or thoughts or feelings have changed. And you just know this is a subject that is always going to be topical, so don't be surprised that we're covering it again, but uh, yeah with recent experiences, good call. We'll do that, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment with our musical of the week, Starlight Starlight Express (laughs) uh, on Backstage on Free FM 89.0.
1: They say true lovers can be twice the fun. They think they're being smart. Someone help me. Them yes or I know. Who tell me how to make up my
4: Make up my heart from Musical of the Week, Starlight Express. You with Mel and Mike on backstage on Hamilton's Free FM. Today's Musical of the Week is, I was, I was going to say, another one of those ones that we can't believe we didn't get to sooner. But I kind of can believe we didn't get to it sooner. Because <laughs> neither of us really thought about it. We just deliberately haven't been picking it.
5: Uh, take it away, Mike. I'll put it right up in front and foremost in your brain right now. Starlight Express is a 1984 British musical with music by, as we said, Andrew Lloyd Webber, lyrics by Richard Stilgo, and it tells the story of a young but obsolete steam engine called Rusty (laughs) who races in a championship against modern engines in the hope of impressing a first-class observation car called Pearl. Famously, the whole show is done on roller skates, Mm. pretty much. Starlight Express has been revised many times since it was first produced uh, nearly 40 years ago, though. Those revisions range from simple tweaks to lyrics to the addition and removal of entire songs, characters, and even subplots. It's been tweaked to hell and back again. The fundamental story, though, still stayed the same, and I'll give you the short version of the plot, because I discovered pages of it. I feel like we would like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Briefly, a young boy falls asleep as he's playing with his toy trains, and in his dreams, the trains come to life in a world where trains battle for track supremacy. The reigning champion, a diesel engine from the USA called Greaseball, enters with his cavalcade of train uh, of several other diesel engines and freight trucks and boasts of diesel supremacy. Next, a steam engine called Rusty enters, and he's our hero. Greaseball mocks Rusty, who replies that he'll win the championship despite steam being obsolete compared to diesel. (laughs) And the dreaming boy becomes the controller. He's known in the rest of the story as Control. He intervenes and orders Rusty to collect a passenger train from the marshalling yard. And probably the best part of the whole show is the names that they've given to all these different... Characters. Yeah. Uh, He comes back with four coaches that make up a passenger train. There's a dining car called Diner. Okay. A smoking car called Ashley. A buffet car called Buffy. Okay. Yeah. He really. Put a lot of work into thought this. Thought else the box there. And an observation car called Pearl, and she is the love interest. Control then sends Rusty to fix uh, a freight train as well as the coaches introduce themselves to the audience. He comes back with six trucks that make up the freight train: three box cars, Rocky One, Rocky Two, Rocky Three, a brick truck called Flat Top, and an aggregator hopper called Dustin, and a brake truck called CB. CB turns out to be a bit of a uh, wouldn't say total villain, but he's not Villainous. that nice a character. Yeah. They introduce themselves to the audience and argue with the coaches over whether it's preferable to carry people or cargo. That's just excuse for a song. Control then declares entries for the championships are open, and six trains arrive to challenge Greece. Ball there's Bobo, the or I should say Bobo, the French Sudeste, Espresso, the Italian Cetabello, Weltstraft, the German Class One Hundred Three, Turnoff the Trans Siberian Express from Russia, and Hashimoto, the Japanese Shinkansen Bullet Train. And the city of Milton Keys as well, an advanced passenger train from Great Britain who doesn't actually get to race because it is made obsolete before they get that far. <laughs> this is all part of the original plot line for the original show. Entries are about to close when a surprise entry, an electric engine called Electra, arrives singing that song, ACDC. Accompanied by his train of five components, he declares electricity is the future of the railways, and greaseball and Electra square up to one another as the entrance form a parade to celebrate the race. So you get the feeling it's really going to be between those two. The trains will compete in pairs with an engine pulling a coach. There will then be three elimination heats. The winner of each heat will move on to the finals to decide the fastest train. The engines start to pick their coaches. And if you haven't gone to sleep by now, probably (laughs) it will come. (laughs) The description of what happens next, as I said, takes up pages, so I'm not going to go there. Suffice to say, there's fast-paced action, duplicity, treachery involving CB, nail-biting tension, and a whole lot of skating. And I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say the good guys win in the end. No, you kind Just of assume so, the, don't you? cut to the chase there. Starlight Express has its roots in three abandoned projects that I possibly like with a lot of the stuff that I find out about shows when we have a musical of the week. The backstory is more interesting than anything else. Yeah. Uh, There was an animated TV series based on Thomas the Tank Engine, uh, which never got off the ground, a novelty pop single, and an animated film based on Cinderella. You're thinking, how do those things come together to make a show about trains, right? Mm -hmm. Back in 1974, Lloyd Webber approached the author Reverend uh, W. Audrey about adapting Audrey's Thomas the Tank Engine stories to make it an animated TV series. Following the meeting, uh, Lloyd Webber started composing with an uh, actor and children's TV writer, Peter Reeves, contributing lyrics alongside artist Brian Cosgrove doing the animation. They pitched their material to Granada TV who commissioned a pilot episode. The episode was completed in early 1976 but Granada ultimately decided not to produce a full series because they were concerned that Audrey's stories were just not then popular enough outside the UK to make it worth spending that amount of money and time developing the series. Ironically, the Thomas the Tank Engine series we all came to know and and love uh, premiered only seven months after the Starlight Express in 1984 Mm. and became very highly successful. Anyway, that's a sidebar. After withdrawing from that project, uh, Lloyd Webber heard a recording of American soul singer Earl Jordan who could sing three notes at once in the style of a steam whistle. Uh, Lloyd Webber and Peter Reeves wrote a novelty pop song for Jordan called Engine of Love, which was released in 1977. The song did nothing, but Engine of Love went on to feature in some productions of Starlight Express, mm. not in the one that we're playing the recordings from today, but it was in the original uh, first few versions. The melody was also used later for another song, uh, He'll Whistle at Me. Around the same time as writing Engine of Love, an American TV station invited Andrew Lloyd Webber to compose songs for an animated film of Cinderella, and in this version of the story, the prince would hold a competition to decide which engine would pull the royal train across the USA.
2: Yeah.
5: Cinderella would be a steam engine and the Ugly Sisters would be diesel engines and an electric engine. Wow. Oh, yeah, sorry, one diesel, one electric. The project went into development hill, but Lloyd Webber remained extremely interested in the idea of telling a story with trains. He was fixated, wasn't he? Well, yeah. Kind of like a bug in his brain he that he couldn't get rid of. Yeah. Starlight Express proper began really back in 1981. Lloyd Webber contacted Richard Stillgoe to help him revive the idea as a concert for schools. And the style, the way that they hold, did the whole Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream sure. thing, you know. Let's float it to a school, see if it goes. Okay, great. We will yeah. Lloyd Webber and Stillgoe presented two songs the following summer at the Sidmonton Festival, which is Andrew Lloyd Webber's. Private event for showcasing all his new work. Oh. The director Trevor Nunn was watching the performance. Now, he figures in another one of the backstories on uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's shows as well. Can't remember which one. But anyway, he offered to help develop the material from something twee to something with a bit more spectacle and theatre magic. Together, Lloyd Webber, Stilgo, and Nunn developed the story to include the idea of trains and coaches racing. Choreographer Arlene Phillips was brought on board along with the designer John Napier, who was the one who suggested staging the show on roller skates. Yeah, I was going to ask when that came in. Yeah. In 83, the first act of Starlight Express was workshopped by Nunn and Phillips with a cast that included uh, actress and comedian Tracy Allman. Uh Oh. Uh, based on the workshop's success, Starlight Express went into full-scale production, opening at the Apollo Victoria Theatre in the West End in March of 1984, directed by Trevor Nunn. Arlene Phillips created the roller skating choreography, John Napier designed the set, and that featured racetracks extending from the stage into the auditorium, as well as a six-tonne steel bridge, which lifted and tilted to connect the various levels of the set. It sounds amazing uh. from a engineering point of view from from just can we do this point I of view I think real. that's probably the best thing about the show yeah in November of 1992 the London production was relaunched with major revisions as the new Starlight Express that's what we're hearing today numerous changes from subsequent productions were incorporated such as 12 songs were taken out 5 songs were added Whoa. I mean, this is not just a tweak No, it's not just a tweak The rap that opens the second act uh, was completely rewritten to become an anthem to racing Some songs changed their position within the show and characters of Bell and CB were eventually cut The required substantial changes to the plot were um, left it without a clear villain uh, Rusty Electra and Greaseball <coughs> just had to cause their own problems or be victims of circumstance to get the story moving along because CB right. was a guy that was putting a spanner in the works for everyone Right but Ultimately, a clumsy way of doing it. Starlight Express closed in London on 12th of January 2002. Considered one continuous production despite all the revisions, it ran for uh, 7,409 performances, making it the ninth longest running West End show. Oh. Yeah, it gets really interesting when you go overseas. The Broadway production of Starlight Express began in February of 87 and opened on the 15th of March at the Gershwin Theatre. The previews were in February. It ran for 761 regular performances, 22 previews, and closed of January of 1989. Created by the original team of Trevor Nunn, Arlene Phillips, John Napier, this version of Starlight Express was extensively revised from the London West End one. Now, the story was localised. This is before the major review of 1992. I've sort of gone back a little bit. Okay. Uh, the now Racing Across America for a trophy called the Silver Dollar. The uh. plot was streamlined with one fewer race than the West End production had, and Andrew Lloyd Webber and Stilgo also made many changes to the music and lyrics, notably adding a ballad for Pearl. Which has been included in every production since then, and a reworked version of Engine of Love. Additional adjustments were made to the costumes of the characters too. And it's most the most let me start that again. It's the most successful music in musical in Germany of all okay. places, where it's been performed in a purpose built theatre called the Starlight Express Theatre in Bochum. I knew this. Which took only a year to build, by the
1: yeah. way. Yeah?
5: So you can build and it the theatre when you want hey, to yeah? the show It's been running since 1988, holding the Guinness World Record for most visitors to a musical in a single theatre. The Starlight Express Theatre features tracks on three levels in a U-shape with the audience sitting in the middle and around the tracks. What yeah, an experience that cool. must be. That, yeah, I think I knew that. It's quite famous. The creative team included the choreographer and designer from the West End and Broadway productions alongside a whole new director who had these brilliant ideas for the theatre. The Bochum production largely followed the templates set by the Broadway show but the creative team made further series of, rev- of revisions, notably taking out Bill. At the time of the Bochum Productions opening, there were three markedly different versions of Starlight Express running concurrently in West End, Bochum, and in America. Oh. Weird, eh? Yeah. The production changed many times over the years, most notably uh, in 2018 to mark the show's 30th anniversary. And this happened because in 2017, Andrew Lloyd Webber visited the production for a charity gala and found it unrecognisable following years of incremental revisions. Yeah. Arlene Phillips added that in 2018, the overall tone of the show now appeared to be a little bit sexist. Lloyd Webber resolved to shut down the production if he couldn't find a way to get Starlight back to its roots. And so credit to him for that. He wrote New Material, which was workshopped for six performances at The Other Palace in London in September of uh, 2017 before being rolled back out in Bookham. Songs have been cut again, characters removed, female engines added, and most notably, mm-hmm. Popper, who was a wise old um, engine that Rusty goes back to for consultation and, and comfort. Uh, he's changed into Mama. Oh. Ah. Lloyd Webber, Phillips and original designer John Napier returned to oversee the changes which Lloyd Webber now considers to be the definitive version of Starlight Express So that's the 2018 version The one with the mama instead of the papa And the revisions just keep on coming There was a special abridged version developed for an extended season in Las Vegas from 1993 to 1997 One hour version a uh, Spanish-language version, which was mostly developed from the Las Vegas version, ran for a year in Mexico City. Hmm. The, more con- uh, the more conventional production toured the rest of North America and much of Europe in the late 80s and early 90s, and revivals have followed right into the 2000s as well. The show found its way to Japan, where a large-scale in-the-round production played stadiums in Tokyo and Osaka. The stage design was unique to this production, featuring landmarks like Mount Rushmore, and it had a platform that could elevate up from the floor to change the setting for the races. That tour went on to Australia through 1988, where it visited Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth. Then, due to popular demand, the end round tour returned back to Japan from March uh, through to July of 1990. In 2009, following an extended run in Europe, the props, costumes and some of the cast from the second UK tour were shipped off, here to Aotearoa To perform a new production And this one played arenas in Wellington Christchurch in Auckland in July and August of 2009 And featured some performers As I said from other international productions nice. Plus some local cast The show was nominated for a couple of Olivier Awards In 1984 and also for seven Tonys in 1987 yeah. It managed to pick up Best Co- Costume Design For a Tony plus four Drama Desk nominations that same year And two wins there for Both Costume and Set Design and out of all of that, we're listening to the 1992 New London cast recording today called The New Starlight Express. The new one. Hmm. The most recent one. Well, no, that one. was 1992. Oh, yeah, it's they not the 2018. Because the, the
4: 2018 one is the one that he considers. Yeah.
5: No, wow. Uh, yes. If you ask Andrew Lloyd Webber which version of the show he would prefer people to see, he would say the 2018.
4: Yeah, interesting. That's a whole lot. Germany. Yeah. yeah. Of all places. Who knew? Yeah, not me. Trains. On tracks, yeah. I love that there's a Trans-Siberian Express. Yeah, <laughs> that makes. So, am I also correct in thinking that each train is played by multiple people? Because there's like the, the yeah, there's the train, the, and
5: each of the, and the uh, carriages the carriages have names as well. Yeah, um, so you've probably got four or five of them. Yeah. And that's the you know, thing, it's kind of like a little bit like rollerball, I guess, or something like that, but... Um, I wouldn't
4: mind seeing it just to see.
5: Well, you could have. Recently, it was done uh, by St Peter's in Cambridge.
4: They did it on roller skates too, by the Yeah, though, eh? yeah. yeah. They, they
5: did it properly. I never got to see it.
4: Uh, I just was, wasn't interested. No, you I'm see, not...
5: this is the thing. You, uh, if you know it, maybe you might be interested, but it didn't sort of take any big boxes for me.
4: Well, and I'm quite a big fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber's... Other work, you know, Phantom, Jesus Christ,
5: Superstar, the old, the good ones. I know you like Joseph. But if you listen to the soundtrack for this, and I mean, we're playing, I think, about five songs today if we've got room, they're not all that memorable. (laughs) And they're not, they're not super unlike other songs
4: that you heard exactly. in musical, you know. They're exactly. Yeah.
5: That was and all Mike had to say about that. I was just going to say that's all I had to say about that, but you beat me to it. There we go. Uh, you're listening to Backstage with Matt and Mike on Free FM 89.0. Oh. Stage with Mel and Mike, and uh, that was Popper with uh, Popper's Blues from our musical of the weekend. I quite West enjoyed Starlight that after, yeah, all a bit our chat, yeah. after all our chat about the unforget unrememberable <laughs> songs. That's one song that I that I would go back to. Yeah. Just because I like the blues too. Yeah. Anyway, we both saw The Things I Know to Be True this past weekend in Cambridge, and it's uh, kind of a spoiler, but also kind of not. If you know of the play, um, if you don't want to spoil it, just Stop listening for a second, but just for a um, second, just for a hot second, uh, because we're going to cover some of the content of what the, what the plot is. Uh, just a little, because bit. it's topical, and because it's brought something up that we have talked about before, but needs to be talked about again.
4: I think it needs to be anyway. The play uh, "Things I Know to Be True" features a character that starts the show as male and during the play transitions to present in a final scene as female. Or very seriously. This isn't a joke. It's not. it's not. You know, they're not taking the piss. it's, no. it's genuine. Um, and then I happen to know that the story behind why a trans actor wasn't cast, and it wasn't because they didn't try to find one um, but a trans actor was not cast in the role. Do you think that's a problem?
5: I don't have um, I don't have a problem with it, and we've talked about this before in terms of race as well Mm. Um, race is a bit more difficult to deal with because visually you're dealing with something that literally the colour of somebody's character is written like Othello, you can't have a white guy playing Othello, it just doesn't work. But in this instance, I think if every effort was made to try to find a trans actor who could handle the role, mm. um, I wouldn't cast somebody in a role just because they ticked one box. I would cast somebody because they tick all the boxes. Well,
4: and that's something we do and talk if you, about a lot. And if you can't manage to do that, you've got to find the best actor you can to do it. Well, that's it. So I know, so I say the reason this has come up, I guess, for me is because so Kate, my wife, plays that trans character, um, and she did get a little bit of um a little facebook comment from from somebody in the community last week or a week or two ago about um oh have you read the play surely you shouldn't have a female playing that role and and um, and and this person didn't even ask the questions of how it came to be the way it is so Mm. they didn't have all the information but i just thought and do you and you sort of alluded to it already do you know how much that is to ask of somebody to yeah. play that role. Oh yeah. And they did they do have they've got a trans um woman who was going to play the role and then decided for herself that it was too much for her yeah. because it would mean having to relive her transition. But not only that, but it would mean so she she's female and identifies as female, but she would have to go back to being a boy, exactly, and that she didn't want to do that.
5: And um, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I guess a lot of people wouldn't think about. You know, they just say, "Oh, you you've got to you've got to do it this way; otherwise, you're not doing it right." But they, it comes down to how the person handles it. I think there
4: is merit. You know, if we were professionals and had massive amounts of budget, go and find and spend the money on the transactor who genuinely wants to play the role. But in community theatre in a town like Cambridge when all you want to do is expose the community to the story mm. and you've genuinely made efforts to find the trans actors but for whatever reason it didn't work out surely that's you know and she does a bloody good job of it she
5: does uh, I, uh you know I, even even though i i know kate and obviously had a lot to do with her uh through you, um i put all that aside when i went to watch the play and uh, I was really super impressed with how she managed that Mm. because uh, it was demanding to be put in that position and given that uh, role to do, and I thought she handled it with great aplomb and great skill. I know that in the past also uh, that play's often been done with a male doing that role and then wearing a dress at the end. Traditionally, yeah. And I don't think that would have been as effective for me in the end.
4: I actually think that would be worse. Yeah. I think if you can't find a trans... Female to play a transitioning role that ends as a female, then it should be a female. Both of the character, both of the characters, m- the Mark, the male version, and Mia, the female version, both of those characters identify as female. Mm. Why wouldn't you have a female actor playing those parts?
3: It
2: made
4: total sense to me. It makes total sense to me as well. Um, but I mean, all Kate and and the things I know to be true aside, when should an LGBTQ character be played by? an appropriate performer or or when does it not matter like what are the rules you know because like there's (laughs) There's so so
5: many plays and so
4: many musicals that's right i mean i've just written a few down here but we've got um angels in america or kinky boots or rent Mm. or um the things i know to be true and and like you mentioned the same discussion is being had around characters with disabilities specifically curious incident um, and the dog of the night time or shows featuring and or about Indigenous people, like hairspray, like the colour purple, and the heights, the yep. Lion King, and the list goes on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
5: I, I <laughs> think that you touched on something before, which I think is probably key to what we're talking about here in our own little sphere, mm-hmm. which is mostly community theatre. Yeah. In a professional world, you able to cast the net that much wider if you've got the funds to actually attract somebody with the appropriate uh, credentials And spend the money on the wraparound care that that person will need Um, Then I think, okay, you know do all that. If you can't but you still need to tell that story, you've got to do the very best that you can and with as much integrity as you can And I think that's what these guys did It was done with integrity That's what struck me about the whole play It had so many subplots and so many things going on This was only one of them. Yeah, it wasn't about the character. It was one that had to be handled with great sensitivity. It did, yeah. Yeah.
4: And I think not just Kate playing the character, but I think all of the other actors in the story, the way they interacted with the character, it it wasn't a slapdash mockery. It was genuine
5: effort, and it came off really well, Mm. I thought. Um, and you have to think about the safety of the of the actor performing the role. As you said a, a while back, you know, when, with somebody who who may have already been um, gone through a transition, uh, trying to take on a role like that, you do revisit stuff. I mean, you do that as an actor anyway. You use, draw on your own experiences and your own um, life journey to inform whatever you do on stage. Oh,
4: and it's kind of, I mean, if I paint a picture, the the act, the actress, the actor that. Um, came forward and and offered to do the role, tried, read through a few times, rehearsed a couple of times, and... but So you're a female. You identify as female. Some of your parts aren't female, but that's not your choice or fault. But you are made to go and be a male on stage and take your shirt off and reveal your masculinity to everyone when you identify as a female. That's revolting to me. Mm
5: -hmm.
4: And that's whole other things, but...
5: They tried. Uh, pretty you know. rare to find someone that would be would be willing to expose themselves to that.
4: When there was backlash when this got done professionally down in Christchurch by yeah. the court, um, they cast uh, Simon what's his name Larry, the guy who played um, either Hudson or Hall in Hudson mm. and Halls, yeah. the not Jordan Mooney character, and um, the other guy. So he played that part in the court, and there was major media backlash. Yeah. Um, but that's a professional company and I think they did have to go and find a transactor in the end
5: Um, but they should have made that choice from the beginning to do that I agree Um, uh, well we still haven't come up with any definitive answers and I don't think we ever will
4: no uh, I don't think we have all or any of the answers Um, I I think we need to always be on the side of throwing things up for discussion you Mm. know what I'm saying yeah I do. And coming back to them every now and then.
5: Yeah, absolutely doing that because things change, times change, attitudes change. So reevaluating is always just as important as the conversation itself. And I'm quite happy to do this again.
4: Yeah, well, I'd like to think that we've inspired some people out there in the listening land to have, have the conversation too. Yeah. Don't go anywhere, we're not quite done yet.
0: Here tonight, R O C K I E S. Put your hands together, you know what's the best.
2: Motivating, accelerating, devastating, dominating, diesel,
0: diesel. E L E C, electricity, electricity is not for free. So don't mess with me. That's all you got dirt, hey greaseball. I'm talking to you. You still got that diner hanging on a lead. A new set of wheels is what you need. Check it out. Are you, Are you ready, ready for the big,
2: big one? one? Ready. Check it out. Are you ready for the big one? Ready. Check it out. Check it out. Can you believe
0: it? Check it out. Check it out. Can you believe it? Check it out. Check it out. Can you believe it? Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Any car here, any car you can see would we'll be proud, yeah, proud to ride with me. No, Pearl's like any other. She knows I'm a fast moving mother. Pearl knows she's a winner. She won't risk racing with that floppy disk. Check it out, check it out, and
2: you believe it. Check it out, check it out, and you believe it. Police ball, stop it. Shut
0: it, Dinah. All my software is the Pearl, you know that he don't cut it.
2: Police ball, stop it. Dinah, shut it. it. Pearl, come on.
0: It's time to choose. You wanna boil with the oil or lose with the breeze?
4: backstage. I'm Mel, he's Mike (laughs) and that was the wrap from Musical of the Week. From the sublime to that. Starlight Express. (laughs) Enough said. I was sitting there as that was playing actually and I hated that. (laughs) I really it was a real blast from the before I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anywho. Yes. Uh, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, Saturday Night Fever, the seventies extravaganza, is coming to the riverley Theatre stage in November. It's been directed by my mate no, Mike Williams here. Yep, this this Mike Williams.
5: This one right
4: here. Uh, musically directed by John O'Hawthorne and choreographed by Emilia Jennings. They're a
5: great couple too.
4: They yeah. are, aren't they? In the beloved throwback musical, Tony Manero and nineteen-year-old Brooklynite paint store clerk spends his weekend his weekends at a local disco where he moonlights as the king of the dance floor when he and mesmerizing dancer stephanie enter a dance competition the pair's professional partnership blossoms into a deep friendship and challenges the pair to reflect on what's important in life amidst rising social tensions featuring the timeless hits of the Bee Gees, this reimagined version of saturday night fever transports you back to the era of disco balls platform boots and white suits
2: Burn,
5: baby, burn. Yeah, all of that and more. Our first sing-through of a couple of the uh, key numbers on Sunday afternoons into Sunday evening, the harmonies, brilliant. Cool. Well, Beggy's music is actually pretty bloody good. Anywho, so that you can book your tickets and fill your calendars along with stuff like Saturday Night Fever, here is our non-exhaustive list of what's coming up around the place, what we call Soonish. Soonish.
4: At The Meteor, That Bloody Woman's Coming, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chewan for both Theatre. That's August 26th until September the 3rd. And Owls Do Cry, presented by Red Leap Theatre and directed by Malia Johnston. That's on from the 26th to the 28th of October.
5: Riverley Theatre, we have geysers uh, for Hamilton Playbox Theatre, opening on August the 20th, running to September the 3rd. Please book through iTicket and Saturday Night Fever, as we've just said, on stage in November with tickets on sale right now. They're live. Go to iTicket for that as well.
4: Go get them. At Clarence Street Theatre, Krishnan's Dairy is coming up, presented by Indian Inc. That's September 8th to the 10th.
5: Open mic night tonight at Navarra Lounge and every Wednesday. Doors open at 6.30. Bookings to perform are essential though, but you can always go and just watch. It's cool. Banks Arcade Future Lovers New Zealand Tour this Friday at 8 o'clock and Luke Thompson's To Be Warm in This Great Winter Tour is happening Thursday the 18th. I used to listen to a lot of Luke Thompson when I was young.
4: I knew his, little, I knew his brother. At the Wallshed Theatre in Te Aumuru. Yes. Are you ready? The Farndale Avenue Housing Estate Towns Women's Guild Dramatic Society's production of Macbeth. Is being presented by Talos (laughs) and coming up in September.
5: So good. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, Things I Know To Be True by Andrew Bovell, directed by Chrissy Hodkinson, is running to the 20th of August.
4: Putaruru Theatre Players have The Mousetrap coming up. It opens in September. That's by Agatha Christie.
5: Him's Music and Drama Have Legacy, written and directed by Christina Walton, opening seventeenth of September.
4: Coromandel Players have constellations coming up by Nick Payne, directed by Heather Long. That's August nineteenth to the twenty seventh.
5: The colour purple in Rotorua, staged by Rotorua Musical Theatre. Uh, by Nahiwira directed by Nahiwira. Thank you very much, Mel. I don't know why I can't read that today. Open September the 30th, run to October the 15th. It's quite a long season for
4: me. Then over in Tauranga, up at the 16th Ave Theatre, up north by Pip Hall, that's Roger's daughter, uh, from the 16th to the 30th of September... At the Detour Theatre, also in Tauranga, is also The Mouse Trap by Agatha Christie. That's from September the 8th to the 24th. And Tauranga Musical Theatre have We Will Rock You, opening at the Bay Court Theatre on September 14th, running through to October 2nd. And they have also The Last Five Years coming up. That's directed by Philly Holmes, coming up in November.
5: Auckland Theatre Company have Dawn Raids by Oskar Um It's opened, uh, will open August 16th, running to September 3rd. And The Maid by Emily Perkins, directed by Colin McCall, opened September 20th, running to October 8th. North by Northwest is coming up too, adapted by Carolyn Burns, directed by Simon Phillips, opening October 25th.
4: Auckland Live, James Brody, the Becoming Brody tour that's on the 9th and 10th of September. And as we've mentioned a couple of times already now, Come From Away has rescheduled for August 23. So watch this space or just go and get your early bird tickets right now.
5: In upcoming auditions and opportunities, twist the Fight Before Christmas by Devon Williamson is Playbox's final offering for the year, auditioning this weekend, actually, August the 14th. Check out Hamilton Playbox website or Facebook page for details about how to book your time.
4: Morrinsville Theatre are holding workshop auditions for Mystery on the Orient Express, directed by Murray Feast. Two sessions on August the 28th. You can check out Morrinsville
5: Theatre on Facebook for more info. Auditions for Hamilton Musical Theatre's summer season of Frozen Junior are coming up soon watch this space, we'll tell you about it, or the Hamilton Musical Theatre Facebook page for details about how to get your audition spot or one for your kids, if you know someone who is under the age of 18. Yeah, between the ages of 10 and 18, I
4: happen oh, to know. Exactly. And the 16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga have auditions coming up for Aladdin, the 80s pantomime. Uh, check out their Facebook page for more information.
5: And Te Little Theatre are still looking for two adults and one child for their rescheduled production of Waiting for Godot, directed by Les Monroe. You can check out their Facebook page for details about that. I really hope they get a chance to put that on.
4: I read that one of those characters could be female. Maybe you and I should go oh, and yeah, hit it true. up. yeah,
5: true. Yeah, lucky. Mike and Mel should just go and head up waiting for Goddard. don't quite work for me though. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Otherwise yeah, I'll be in. Don't forget, if there
4: is a show or audition opportunity you want us to spread the word about, give us an email on backstagepodcastnz@gmail.com. or we're around a whole lot. We're at Rivoli. We're at the Meteor. We're around. Give us a give us a little tickle and let us know.
5: Exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're both going to go to Te Awamutu to see that play with the long name. At oh, some point. The, the fun day. I'm going to go just to get a copy of the program. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, that means once again we are just about done for the week. Thank you to – massive thank you, in fact, to
4: Free FM, as always, for hosting us. Thank you to Creative Waikato for sponsoring us, paying the bills. Catch up on Backstage, as we've mentioned, accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for all of the upse- updates.
5: It's been an interesting quarter of today, and I hope I didn't put you off Starlight Express altogether. I, you with almost definitely about did. It. But well, I don't know that that's your fault. No, (laughs) I think the show spoke for itself. (laughs) We're not quite done with it yet. We've still got more music to come from it. Um, But also, um, you know, great to have the chance to revisit um, that topic again of casting appropriately and, and, you know, taking the trouble to find the right people. It won't be the last time we bring it up, I don't think. No. I think
4: I want to be able to come up with a definitive answer. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to, but I think where you
5: can, you do have a responsibility to try to cast authentically. And without blowing your own horn about it, I think you may need to make sure that people know about that too, that you have tried.
4: That, well, yeah, and that's, I think, a tricky one. Kate didn't really want to be like, well, we tried. She was trying to be the bigger, better
5: person, yeah. which she was. Yep. Um, but, but uh, yeah. I think the other thing I want to say about all this is that I am full of admiration for the fact that Gaslight Theatre stages stuff that does make you think, that does challenge you that does bring up subjects that maybe people are semi-aware of but don't know enough about that might
4: challenge their community that maybe won't sell well but they give it a go anyway
5: you look at the catalog of stuff they've done over the last five years or so there's Mm. some really good plays in there of you know subjects that really in a small town theater you wouldn't normally see
4: well to be honest i don't go to cambridge a whole lot but i've never seen anything that's rubbish out there no they do quite good stuff out there
5: consistently pretty good yeah and uh, you know this this is a case in point. If you get a chance to see things, I know to be true, I strongly suggest you do so. Mel and I will be back next week, seven days away, with another musical of the week. I think is it, it might my be turn your again? Turn again? Yeah, oh, gosh. I'm giving it to you. You can <laughs> scrape better, the barrel I'll this better time. better pick a, pick a um, you know a top shelf one next time.
4: <laughs> We're going out today with the titular track, Starlight Express, from Musical of the Week, Starlight Express.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I've been Mike once again. She's been Mel once again, which she always is. And you've been backstage on Hamilton's Free FM 89.0.
4: Please stay classy, theatre nerds. See
3: you.
2: That speed is gonna stay don't want you to go.